The master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, these are difficult words that we come to this morning. They are frightening and challenging. And so we come deeply needing your help. We realize that we, we come to your word sometimes with confusion, just not understanding often what you are trying to say to us. But we admit we often come as well with rebellion, rejecting even what we understand. So we ask this morning for clarity, and we ask for humility. Help us to understand and receive these words, and be changed by them, work by the power of your Holy Spirit in this time. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you know that my family and I recently went on vacation, and one of our vacation activities uh, was to take our family and brave the icy waters of Wakulla Springs. All right, You're not a true Tallahassee native until you have gone and experienced the freezing waters of those springs. And some of you know that at Wakulla Springs, there is a high diving tower in the swimming area. Now, as the patriarch of the family, I felt it was my duty uh, to demonstrate my courage by jumping off the high diving platform into the freezing waters of Wakulla Springs. And as I climbed those stairs up to that platform, I felt my fear climbing with me. And I walked to the top, and I came to the edge, and I stared down. And I don't know how tall this thing is, but it feels like three miles, okay? So I stared down the three miles to the water <laughs> below, and I was scared, heart pounding, hands shaking. 
just a little bit what it's like for me to come to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus, in this chapter, and in this parable that we just read, Jesus is talking about judgment. And he says things like we read in verse 30, where this servant is cast into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's frightening, right? That is scary. And I feel like I did on that platform. I want to turn and run. I want to keep flipping the pages of my Bible and find the happy stuff. It is scary to hear Jesus talk about judgment. But we're not going to run this morning. We're not going to flip the pages. We're going to come to what Jesus says and we're going to risk asking the question, what is Jesus communicating about judgment? What is His message of judgment and what are its implications for us? And as we do that with this parable, we'll see that the message about judgment, as Jesus teaches us, is a message about absence and it's a message about assessment. Absence and assessment. First of all, absence. The question of judgment, as Jesus poses it with this parable, is the question, how will we respond to his absence? So think about what drives this story that he tells. The master goes, and then he comes back, and then he evaluates what his servants have done while he was gone. Jesus here is preparing his disciples, then and now, for the truth of his ascension. So remember, Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and then what happened? He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And although he has given us his Holy Spirit, there is a very real sense in which Jesus is gone. He is absent. He is not fully here. And that is not just a point of information. That is a point of expectation. Because again, think about this story. When the master leaves, what does he do? He doesn't just leave. He leaves and he entrusts his servants with his property. When the master leaves, his servants become stewards. You know what a steward is? A steward is someone who doesn't own the house, but who is responsible for the house. It's someone who doesn't own the property, but is supposed to manage the property. When the master leaves, his servants become stewards. And that is the truth of Jesus' ascension into heaven. When our master leaves, we become stewards. He entrusts us with a treasure. He gives us property. And He expects us to do something with it. Jesus' absence means activity for His people. Now, very, very key and important question. What does Jesus give us? What is the treasure with which we have been entrusted as stewards? That we are responsible to manage and to develop. 
Well, whenever Jesus talks about stewardship, he connects it to the kingdom of God. You remember why Jesus came? Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, to bring the life-giving rule of God into the world that had rejected God. He came for the purpose of God's will being done on earth as it is done in heaven. Jesus came to bring God's life-giving will design and to implement it here in our lives and in our world. And that is what Jesus gives to us. He gives us the message and the purpose of the kingdom. He gives us the message that the kingdom comes through Him and He gives us the mission of seeking God's will on earth as it is done in heaven. So, talents in this story are not talents as we think of them. Okay, we're not talking here about natural abilities. The point of this story is, hey, you have some natural abilities and you need to use them well. That's not the point of this story. The point of this story is that you have been given the message and the purpose of the kingdom of God. Will you live your life for that? Will you seek to bring God's will into every area of your life? Now wait a second, Pastor. I thought we were all about grace here at Centerpoint Church. I thought the Gospel was about a free gift that is given to us by God, and that is received by faith alone. And now you're telling me, I have to do something? Yeah, to all of the above. Because God's free gift to us of redemption through Jesus Christ is a gift that involves. It is a gift that involves. This past year, we had several people in our lives give us the gift of concert tickets. That's a gift that involves. right? You don't open that gift and just stick it on the shelf and look at it. That commits you to an activity. Jesus came to give us concert tickets. And we find that when we show it to the concert, we're not sitting in the audience listening. We're on stage. We're part of the music of His kingdom. Jesus' gift to us is forgiveness. And that is beautiful. And we must celebrate that. We must emphasize that. We must come to that again and again. His gift to us is forgiveness. But it is not only forgiveness. Jesus also gives us the gift of participation. He brings us into His work of bringing God's will into the earth as it is done in heaven. Did you notice how even the reward to the first two servants is the reward of participation? The Master says to them, you've been faithful over a little, now I'm going to put you over much. It's not, hey, you've done a good job, now sit down. It is you've done a good job, now here's further involvement. 
You know that the Bible teaches that when Jesus returns, when He raises us from the dead, when He makes everything new, that is not the cessation of our work. We don't stop working. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, we will rule and reign with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus' gift to us is the gift of participation now and in the future. To change my music metaphor a little bit, our reward, it's, it's like this. It's, it's not practice the piano and you get a piece of candy. It's practice the piano and you get to play Beethoven. It is the gift of deeper and fuller involvement in the beautiful, life-giving kingdom of God. That's the gift that Jesus gives to us. And that's why we work. That's why we put forth the effort to seek God's will. Not because it earns the gift, but because it's part of the gift. Which is why the book of James says, faith without works is dead. A faith that connects us to Jesus brings us into Jesus' work. And the question is, how will we respond? How will we live in the absence of Jesus and the presence of His mission in our lives? Will we seek with every single part of our existence to participate in the kingdom of God. Now that word every is important. Because sometimes when we think about the kingdom of God, we think about missionaries. Okay, They are people who participate in the work of the kingdom of God. And that is true. But you know what? The kingdom of God is missionary work and it's washing dishes. And it's everything in between. I think that's why Jesus uses these different amounts throughout the parable, the larger to the smaller amount. He's addressing the temptation for us to look at what is small, what is hidden, what is insignificant, and think that that is disconnected from His work. But it's not. Your vocation, your studies at school, your friendships, your family relationships, your leisure, they all belong to the gift that involves. How will we respond? How will we live in the absence of Jesus with the ongoing presence of His mission? Now, if judgment is connected to that, if it's connected to that effort, how do we know if we've done enough? What's the grading scale, right? Is there a curve in this class? Because I need a curve if that is what I'm being measured on. Well, see here that Jesus' message is not only about His absence and the presence of His mission, it is also about how we're measured. It is a, the message of judgment is a message about assessment. And on the first view of this story, it seems that we're being assessed uh, by return on investment, right? So the, the two servants who are rewarded, they double the amount that they've been given. And the, 
servant that's rejected, he doesn't, his amount doesn't increase at all. And it seems like, okay, well maybe Jesus is going to look and he's going to measure our lives. And he's going to put a number on it and we'll be judged by that. Two problems with that view. First of all, it's not what the master commends in this story. And second of all, it is not what the master confronts in this story. So notice with the servants that are rewarded, what does the master say to them? How does he commend them? Does he say, well done, good and effective servants? Well done, good and clever servants. Well done, good and intelligent servants. No. He says, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And then when he confronts the second servant, notice what he confronts. He does not confront an amount. He confronts passivity. He said, you've done nothing. You see, judgment is concerned not with effectiveness, but with faithfulness. It is about, it's not about the capacity to succeed. It is about the courage to act. And where do faithfulness and courage come from? Where do faithfulness and courage come from? Well, think about the third servant. What keeps him from faithfulness and courage? Verse 24, he says about his master, you're a hard man. And then verse 25, what does he say? Why has he been passive? Why has he done nothing with the treasure with which he has been entrusted? I was afraid. Master, I was afraid of what you would do, so I did nothing. Do you see? The reason this servant comes into judgment is because of the paralyzing fear of judgment. He's afraid of the punishment if he fails, and that's what leads to passivity. Now, contrast that with the two servants that are rewarded. How do they know and experience the Master? As one who welcomes them and celebrates their faithfulness with joy. He says, enter the joy of your Master. Faithfulness and courage come not from the fear of judgment, but from the expectation of joy. Faithfulness and courage come not from the fear of judgment, but from the expectation of joy. How do we have the expectation of joy? Because our Master, Jesus, He's the judge. And He is is a judge who, who has the power that will scare you. He has a power to judge that is frightening. But what has our Master, the one who, has, who is the judge, what has He done? What has He done for us? The judge climbed on the cross and took the judgment that we deserved. 
right? And He rose again, and He ascended into heaven, and He didn't just leave, and He didn't just give us the mission. He also gave us the presence of His Holy Spirit who empowers us for the work that He has given us to do. Kingdom faithfulness comes from faith in the King. The courage to act comes from knowing that Christ is the Master who will welcome our feeble and frail efforts to seek His kingdom. And He will welcome those efforts with joy because they are a faithful response to who He is and what He has done. And do you see we're back where we started? We're on the edge of the, of the diving platform dealing with the fear of judgment. Why did I climb those steps? Why did I walk to the edge of that platform at Wakulla Springs? It wasn't just to prove my manhood. It was because of joy. It was because of the thrill, and I know this isn't a thrill for everybody, but it's a thrill for me, the thrill of jumping and falling into those freezing waters. I dealt with the fear of the platform because of the joy of jumping. That's why we can come to the fearful message of judgment here in Matthew 25. Because in the end, it's a message of joy. In the end, this is a message of joy. It is the message of Jesus who welcomes us into the incredible privilege of participating in His kingdom and celebrates our feeble and frail attempts to seek His kingdom. He celebrates those things because they are, they are a faithful response to Him and to what He has done. So will you go beyond fear this morning and know the joy of your Master? Let's pray.